Hi, and welcome to the Bruce White Blues DFL podcast. Happy New Year. Uh, first podcast of 2022. My name is Alex Davis. I am, as always, the co-host of the show. And joining me, as always, is my co-host, Joe Pritcher. Joe, how's your 2022 fan? Well, the show's coming out of hibernation, but it snowed here today, so maybe we we're a little early on that. It snowed there today? Oh. 100 degrees, 100 degrees Fahrenheit in Orange County right now. I am sweating balls right now as we speak. And that's how I know that it's time to start talking Canadian football. It's been 100 degrees two days in a row. So, hey, it must be time. And it must be time to have on one of our most common guests, one of our most popular guests, Josh Smith of Podski Wee Wee. Josh, how are you today? I'm doing great. Our weather is nice. Um, <laughs> seven degrees, eight degrees Celsius. I don't know what that translates to Fahrenheit. We do our temperatures normally. 40s. 40s? Right. It, it was a gorgeous day today. I could have wore shorts outside if I wanted to. But uh, yeah, I don't know. It's not, a, it's not a million degrees like where you are or snow in April. It, <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't want to deal with snow in April. I mean, not that the weather is extreme or anything right now. Uh, how, how's your year gone so far, Josh? Um, it's a lead in question. Yeah, not bad. I mean, um, personally, I've, I've, I've lost a family member, unfortunately, earlier this year that kind of put a damper on things. But other than that, it's, it's not been bad. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, I don't want to start off on a negative note, but yeah, you know, you get older, you start losing family members. But other than that, it's, uh, I don't know. January was cold. February was cold. Now we're getting into the spring. So I'm, we're right around, like the, the season ended last year later than it ever had really right. before. The off season came, came and went. Like I remember the season after the gray cup, it was like, okay, free agency is going to be soon and all that other sorts of stuff. And it's, we're like right around the corner from the start of the season. It's like, like it's only early April, but it's like the draft's going to be here in less than a month. And then it's training camps, and then bam, we're we're like what two months away from the start of the season. Essentially, it's fantastic. Yeah, yeah it feels like yeah. the buzz. It feels like the buzz from free agency. I mean, of course, the first couple of days of free agency is on on nut house, but then even after that, there's been like this steady buzz ever since with, that I haven't seen over the last few years. Even before the world went crazy a couple of years ago, it just feels like there's this constant beat of. The CFLs around the corner were ready to go. Yeah. Do you think it was because the season ended so late last year? Like it, there, it, it, you it haven't might. had as much time to kind of like, you know, usually into November and then I don't know about you, but like Christmas comes around, you're kind of, I kind of like, oh, I'll put it to the side for a little bit. But this year was like the great cup and then Christmas and then bam, you're in the new year. And fans are like, my team hasn't, and it was more prevalent in Hamilton than maybe anywhere else. How come my team hasn't signed any of our pending free agents? And then it was like signing, 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 signing. And then free agency hits and then signing. And then, and you're right, Joe, like there's been a almost like, and maybe, you know, not all of it's been positive, like the, the whole four down stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into. Um, but there has just felt like maybe this off season, there's been just more talk, maybe because we're going into a, a more normal season than we have had in now three years. So I don't know. I, I feel like there's more excitement than maybe at any time in the last few seasons. You forgot the schedule release too. Because the schedule oh, was released like directly after the breakup, and that's always a big one for uh, the CFL fandom as well. Yeah, they say that big league sports these days is a 12-month-a-year mm-hmm. pursuit. But a lot of them are not quite. A lot of them are like 11 months, right? Because you always have, like you said, for the CFL, that's, around, that's December, right? That's around Christmas time. That's when, you know, the NFL is in the playoffs or whatever, you know, and the NHL is gearing up um for the home stretch but yeah this year we didn't really get that um i guess that was the upside of the covid disaster um okay josh uh, i wanted to talk about off-season acquisitions as well but yeah let's go straight to the big one four downs but we've had you know this has been in the cfl fandom consciousness for quite a while now uh at least since the, those evil rumors of the XFL merger and whatnot came about. Um, I guess I'll go to Joe first. Joe, 
where do you stand finally on this? Like it, love it, hate it, we'll see. Where are you? If I never hear about it again, it's too soon. <laughs> like, seriously, the thing that makes the CFL stand out from all the other alphabet soup of football leagues that like to live and die faster than you even get to know them is that it's a different game. Yeah, sure. It could still be a different game with four downs, but where I stand on CFL making rule changes is go ahead, make rule changes, work on the game, try to make the game better. We saw about five years ago where they had the, where, where they added instant replay to pass interference. And then all of a sudden the game slowed down to a crawl yes. where, and it was a risk that they took. And the wonderful thing about it is they realized they screwed it up so badly that they literally in the middle of the season made a rule change to fix it. I'm okay tinkering with the game, trying to find the best thing, the best things it can about itself. But when you make rule changes that bring you closer to what the NFL already does more loudly, that's a dangerous step to take and by changing the number of downs you're basically admitting to everybody that you're inferior that the nfl's got the glitz the glamour they've got the money and we're going to play the same game as they are don't do that you have to stay you have to keep some things different to give you at least plausible deniability of saying we're such a different game that we're the best we're the best version of we're the best league playing this version of football. The closer you get to the NF, to the NFL rule book, the less you can say that. And it's hard enough to sell the game. It's going to be impossible to sell the game. If you would, if you frankly admit that you're a minor league. Is this where you're at with this judge? So yeah, almost in, in lockstep. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take, I'm going to veer off the beaten path here a little bit. I'm going to follow, follow along with what I'm saying. So I don't know how much of your audience are wrestling fans, but I, I'm, I've been watching wrestling my entire life. There's a big crossover. There, there is. And so I, a, a few years ago, I wrote for three down about, I don't know why, but the CFL fandom and wrestling fandom seems to be really interlocked. Now I know I wrestling's always been huge in Canada, but like, there's just seems to be this thing where, where I don't know. Anyway. Um, Eric Bischoff used to run world championship wrestling and he's, I, I listened to his podcast. It's one of the few that I actually get a chance to listen to now. And he said that in, when he created Monday Nitro to compete with Vince McMahon and the then WWF and Monday Night Raw said, he said he had an idea. You can either be better than less than or different than he agreed. He said, I can't be better than what they do. I don't want to be less than what they do. So I have to be different. If the CFL starts adopting, like Joe said, NFL rules, they go from being different than to being less than because we can, we love the league. There's, we're sitting here doing a podcast in our free time because we love the CFL, but we can all admit the NFL has, like you said, the glitz, the glamour, they're louder. They also have the best football players for the most part on earth because they can pay the most money. Aaron Rodgers is not going to play in the CFL, you know what I mean? Because of the money factor, the best players are going to try to play and the best players in the CFL. And there are players in the CFL that could play in the NFL, no doubt about it. But for politics reasons, whatever it is, they play in Canada instead. So if the CFL decided we're going to play four downs, now you're just saying we're the, we're NFL light. We're no different than the XFL, which side note, have we seen the new XFL logo? That was the lamest thing I'd ever seen. Like it looked like a three-year-old drew that on a, like, like it looked like Dwayne's daughter drew that on a cocktail nap. He's like, that's cool. Let's use that. Um, I was wondering if they had a sponsorship deal with like Axe Body Spray or something. And I, wasn't there some like Twitter <laughs> thing where Axe comes out? I was like, oh, that logo looks familiar. So it's like, you know, maybe they do. Um, but you're going to, if, if you mentioned like all the Johnny come lately's, the AAF, the XFL, the World League, like so many different, football leagues that play essentially NFL style football have come and gone. Why would you take, and I, and like Joe said, I'm fine with tinkering with the rules. I think there's some rules in the CFL that I personally don't care for. 
Um, rouges on field goals that go out or kicks that go out the back of the end zone. If mm. you don't have a chance to return it, I don't think you'd be getting rewarded with a point. That's, but that's, I know that's some somewhat controversial opinion. If you can kick mm. the ball out of the end zone and you don't, you can see the single. Otherwise you're just, you are rewarding failure in that sense. So I'd be fine with them tweaking that. I'm fine with them making like they've made the, the idea that, and, and I saw this positive. I think it was Dave Naylor that said it, that we are, CFL fans are so adverse to them changing rules. And it's not that we just don't want the game to be fundamentally changed. If baseball came out today before, or I guess yesterday was opening day and said, Oh, by the way, we're going to four strikes for an out baseball fans would be like, what the hell are you doing? What, what why would you, it's, it's a fundamental thing. And changing the CFL from three to four downs would fundamentally change the game. Right. You want running backs running for 17,000 yards in the season. Cool. That's what you get. Because if you have one yard off the ball, and four downs to pick up right. 10 yards, it would be, it would look like the old, you know, uh, Woody Hayes, three yards in a cloud of dust. That's what the CFO will become. And that's the exact opposite of what this league has built itself on. It was high scoring, fast paced, entertaining football. That's what made it different than the NFL. So to just copy their rules and, and take the one of the few things, field size, number of players, Canadian content are all important as well. But the three downs is kind of what makes Canadian football the most different. To take that and, and, and get rid of it would have been a massive mistake. And like Joe said, I hope we never hear about it again. Yeah, because it's not a rules problem. The CFL doesn't have a rules problem. No. It has an image problem. Yeah. It's it's something that is looked down upon by uh, by a by a some of the the audience that the CFL wants to have the younger the younger generation is kind of looked down by them, but by changing the rules to make it like the NFL is not going to tear them away from the NFL. They're going to stick with that because that's got the money, that's got the reputation, that's got everything we've talked about. So you have to find a different way to go after that audience, and being the same isn't going to help. If they came out and said we did a study and we proved that we would gain 50% more fans by going to four downs, then I'd be, I'd be for it. But I don't think that there is one person who would change their opinion on watching Canadian football because of the number of downs. There are a number of reasons why that you out, outlined a, a few of them there, why fans don't flock to the league. And I think the number of downs would be so far. The people who don't watch the CFL or hate on the CFL would just come up with another reason. Like, right. There, if, there'd if, always if, be something. Absolutely. You're never, some people just can't be, can't be converted into fans and that's fine. There's a lot. I don't watch every single sport. Like I like soccer, but I don't watch every soccer league in the world. You don't have to like everything where you two are Americans and I'm a Canadian, but I love the NFL. I watch the NFL just as much as I watch the CFL. Like liking football is liking football. I don't, I don't like the territorialism that's come along with it, but at the same time, you're not going to convert people by becoming what would essentially be a four down farm league for the, for the big guy down South. It, it, it wouldn't make, it won't add $1 to their revenue. It wouldn't add one new fan. I'm convinced of that. And I'm not sure outside of showing me actual data, I don't think I could, could be given said it ever would. Great. All right. We don't have to talk about it ever again. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I would say, I would say that to a certain extent, addressing Joe's problem, uh, or Joe, Joe's problem, Joe's contention. I have uh, a lot of problems. This is just one of them. <laughs> but not many of them have to do with the CFL, I don't think. <clears throat> uh, that the CFL is an image problem and that they're having trouble attracting your fans. I don't think that they are uh, because gambling and fantasy football. Uh, I think that that's a real growth market in the U.S. And we saw it for a couple of years before COVID, actually, that that curve was massive because that's when states, state by state in the U.S. were starting to legalize and also, you know, fantasy football was a necessary item for football fans. So that is the real growth model. I, I don't think that they're, they're worried about. However, uh, Josh brings up a good point on that, that, yeah, if, if you start making it so that you have to run three downs out of four, well, that fantasy is going to be less interesting too. You know, we, don't, we don't want that fantasy. We don't want big number of quarterbacks and wide receivers in fantasy football. Okay, uh, so we won't ever talk about that again now. <laughs> I, I'm done. 
Uh, right. I just wanted to talk uh, today a little bit about, yeah, just let's get catch up. Let's flex the muscles again. We're going to try not to, to pull anything. It's preseason for all of us right now. We're exactly. in mode. Exactly. I'm, I'm warming up, trying not to get on the IR before the season starts. Um, okay, Josh, we're going to start in the East. And one of the reasons why I wanted to ask how your year has been is uh, how have you felt about the Tiger Cats offseason? Let me pull up my notes here. Yes, uh, Brandon Banks left after quite the bizarre season in which he was there and not there. Uh, and I guess the other big news was Jagera Davis is out, but Micah Johnson is in there at the defensive line. But I wanted to ask you this. Did anything come out in Hamilton media or in fan circles about kind of last season for Brandon Banks? Uh, he wasn't very good and he was hurt. A lot. <laughs> I mean, well, at one point, too, he left the team for personal reasons, quote unquote, I believe. Did he not? And he's getting older speeds his game the two years off i don't think it did him any favors but we i think we saw that with a few players last year that it looked like maybe the pandemic had taken some charleston hughes another example Darrell Walker. a guy who, who I'm, I'm fairly certain like i don't I'm, I'm i didn't go right but i don't think he signed with anyone yet so i mean as far as i can it, it always, I mean, I'm sure Joe will talk about this when we talk about the Bombers. Like, it always sucks to lose a franchise icon, a guy that is synonymous with, even though, you know, Andrew Harris wasn't only with the Bombers, whereas Banks has only been with Hamilton. Like, there, there's that, like, the initial, like, you hear the news. I, I remember I was at work, and, and my co-host Mike texted me. He's like, Banks ain't coming back. And I was like, at first you get a little, like, oh, that's sad, because, like, you want him – this team, I think, can in the next couple of years win a championship. I mean, they've been to the last two Grey Cups, the last one against a, a very – one of the best Bombers teams I think we've ever seen. They could have won that game very, very easily. Like, that was not – it wasn't like the, the one in 2019 where they got absolutely smoked. That was as close of a football – that, that might have been the best football game in the CFL all season, which is, which is maybe another reason why the offseason kind of felt lesser and we – because we, we, instead of coming off like the blowout, now I'm sure Joe obviously loved the blowout win in 2019, but like as a, whether you're a tie fan or a neutral fan, you're kind of like, all right. Like, I mean, it was, it was a butt kicking, but at the same time, you're like, you want uh, a championship game to kind of leave you wanting more. And I think this past great cup, I think it left, left a sour taste in tie cats fans mouth. Obviously bombers fans were happy. And I think the neutral fans of the game were like, Oh, that's, that's, that's the CFL I love. The, the back and forth nature, the, you know, no lead is safe, all the, all the marketing slogans they've thrown out there. Right. Um, but like we saw with the ticket back on the banks train, we saw him, he wasn't the player he was, he wasn't, it's you're, you're sad, but at the same time, you understand you get older, why, why teams do this. He wasn't the number one guy anymore. They had found younger players and football's a young man's game. Every league does it. You find a guy younger and cheaper, you're going to go with younger and cheaper. And now they're finally having to pay a quarterback, one quarterback, an actual top-tier quarterback salary. Like, it's not like they had a guy coming off injury so he didn't make as much. They had a guy as a backup who was making backup money and swapping back and forth. You're like, you committed to Dane Evans. He's making starting money. That means that money's got to come from somewhere else. So they made the decision to, to let Banks go. Did you Gary Davis loss? That is, I can't lie. That one hurts because he is so good and he's still relatively young. I don't, I think what we saw of him in the playoffs, especially where he took over, the yeah. game, especially the game in Toronto, the East final on defense, he was a monster. Yeah. yeah. Absolute monster. So to lose him, that stings. Getting Micah Johnson is, is, is good. He's not going to replace Garrett Davis and the the fact that they had three starting caliber defensive tackles with Johnson, Dylan Wynn, and then they re-signed Ted. Like I made the grand proclamation as soon as the Johnson news came out. Oh, that means Ted Laurent's gone. And then they signed him back before I was like, they're gonna like what kind like are they thinking of moving Wynn to the to the edge? Because I don't think that's I don't think he's the right, like he's he's a big dude. He's like 290. Like that's not an edge rusher in the CFL. I, I just I, some of the moves they made, like 
that those in particular, like I love all three of those players, but it, it kind of makes you wonder like, what were they thinking? They also added a ton of guys to the secondary. Like they have, I was just, I, I keep a, like a depth chart on my computer and like a roster to kind of like I've, guys get moved guys, and I'm looking at, and they have six guys. They, it's um, Jamal Roll, Cario Brooks, Richard Leonard, Tunde Adelike, Siante Evans and Alden Darby are all guys that can play at starters. And then they have Cam Kelly, who was excellent as the season progressed as their Sam linebacker. So you have seven guys for six positions. I don't understand why like, I understand you want as much talent as you can have, but one of those guys either is not going to make a team or isn't going to start. And it's like, instead of focusing on maybe trying to sign a left tackle or beefing up the interior offensive line, you went defense. It's, it's, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, they made some more quite, this is the first off season. And it's also, I think because of how much better the other teams in the division got, especially Ottawa, this is the first year where I'm not as confident that Hamilton's going to walk into the Eastern title game. Ah, okay. I was just going to ask you because it's been a long time since the tiger cats have uh, had to look over their shoulder. Yeah, the rest of the division. And I'm wondering if this year you're going to be looking over your shoulder a little bit, uh, especially given Toronto's offseason. Like they've been to, I think, I think it's seven of the last 10, the last three East finals. I think it's seven of the last 10 and eight of the last 12 East division finals they've been to, which is for where this team was prior to 2009 is incredible when they were four wins a year and were eliminated before Labor Day. They've had a real good run of success, but with the additions, especially that Ottawa's made, this is going to be maybe the toughest Eastern Division we've seen in maybe 25 years. Oh, okay. So, Joe, I, Josh just uh, told – wait, wait. Did, did Winnipeg lose a, a franchise icon this offseason? Yeah, I heard something about that. Okay. So, <laughs> so all right. Let's – I'm going to switch up really quick. Let's go to the Bombers real quick. Um you know, again, kind of stayed pat, except for Harris going to the Argonauts. Uh, of course, one of the first moves I think they made in preseason, uh, in the offseason, was uh, re-signing Zach Calera, re-upping him. So uh, how do you feel about, you know, again, the loss of Harris, who's probably not past his prime, I would say, and uh, just the sort of stay pat attitude again. Well, when when you had a season like Winnipeg's, there's not much room to get better. So standing pat is about as good as you can hope for for an offseason after a season like that. Uh, to address Harris directly, uh, yeah, it, it does hurt. Uh, you do lose a little bit of something there. He only played, a, I, I want to say, half the games last year. But there was just there was a there was a still enough difference between Harris and Oliveira that you could just see that there's just a little bit of a spark that Harris gave that Oliveira didn't. I'm not saying Oliveira won't be able to do that. He won't be able to get to be the guy that can lend the offense that spark. But you could just tell there was a little bit of a difference in the offense between the two of them. Now, having said that. Um, that's not going to last much longer for Harris anyway, because he is getting into his middle thirties and running backs don't last usually past the age of 30 very well. And he's defied father time for this long. I can't imagine he's got much left on that front. And then you also have Brady Oliveira and Johnny Augustine as the two, as the two guys uh, in place in Winnipeg, we know Oliveira can be a starter. Now we saw that half the year last year, and I've always wanted to see more of Johnny Augustine. He always seems to yeah. be able to make plays when he gets in there. So I don't think it's going to be a huge material loss. We'll just have to see. Uh, there's still a v- good veteran core there. Losing one veteran like that isn't going to kill him, I don't think. Okay, all right. Let me go to you then on this one, Joe. I mean, again, like I said, Josh, it's still way far out from season, but uh who do you see as the biggest competition to the Bombers, who might not be quite as spectacular uh, this season as they were last? Uh, Calgary, by far. Yeah. I think okay. they had a really good offseason. Okay. That, that group that's run Calgary has been around for a long time. 
it's gonna be between the Canadian Mafia in Winnipeg and the Cal and the Calgary front office for probably about the next five years, if not ten, to see who can who can take control of the West like Calgary had had in the 2010s. We're going to see if Winnipeg can take that over or if they're going to have to keep fighting Calgary for it. Uh, Edmonton made a lot of strides, but from nothing, that's not hard to do because they were, they bottomed out last year. They've made a lot of strides already, but it's going to take another year before they can challenge for the top. BC, I feel like, they're running in place and maybe even going backwards because if you lose losing Mike Riley and having, you know, Nathan Rourke is a talented quarterback. We've seen that, but he's not Mike Riley with the team at the level they were plus now losing that. I don't see, I didn't see any real progression there yet. And then Saskatchewan kind of baffles me. I, I wonder if there it's some if if it's my blue and gold talking, but they just don't scare me. They didn't get much better. Winnipeg tried to hand them the West Final on a silver platter like five times, and they were they weren't they didn't take it. So I just don't I don't understand I, I just don't understand how they're going to be better than they were last year. So Calgary is by far in my mind the competition out west right now. Yeah, the Riders uh, lost four starters on defense in free agency, and uh, the Stamps mostly made improvements on the offensive line. I guess their only skill player that they're moving up to is uh, Jordan Williams Lambert from Saskatchewan. But this is a guy who's missed 26 out of the last 50 regular season games in three years in the CFL. So I don't know what kind of effect he will have. Okay, so Joe touched upon it. So I'm going to go to uh, Josh. I got a couple for you, Josh. First of all, are you believing in the stamps? They've been kind of moribund this last couple of seasons. Uh, are you buying that they're back? Yeah. I think it'll okay. all rides on Bo Levi's health. If, and, and, you know, but they did make a good signing in keeping Jake Mayer for another season. So if Bo isn't up to his normal standards or if maybe we are seeing the tail end of his career, I think they have a pretty decent number two option. Um, but, no, I do believe in Calgary. Oh, maybe more so because I don't believe in the other three teams more mm. so than I believe Calgary's going to make this giant leap. I do think the stamps are going to be better. And I do think they will challenge Winnipeg for top spot in the division. I also think Winnipeg will take a little slide down. They're the two time defending champs complacency. I, I, I as good as that coach staff is in that, that, that roster is complacency does at some times set in, it becomes the point where, okay, do we have to finish first? Because even if we finish second, we're still it's still going to be fine. You know, you take the foot off the gas. Maybe you're, you're the hunger is not there as much anymore. Um, Joe talked about the Elks. I, I they remind me too much of Ottawa from a couple of years ago, where they were so awful that they need at least a year, an off season or two to. Like we saw Ottawa bad in 2019. Somehow they looked worse in 2021. Then they finally made the right decision in canning Marcel Desjardins, getting in Sean Burke. And you look at that roster now and you go, that's a roster that can compete not just for a playoff spot, for potentially to get to the Grey Cup. I see Edmonton very similarly. We don't know who their quarterback's going to be. The rumors are that it's going to be JT Barrett is, is likely to win the starting. Like, a, Yeah, they got an interesting they got an interesting situation there at Edmonton. I actually wanted to talk about that a bit, but please go on. Yeah, Josh. like uh, how often do we see a raw rookie come in and everyone will say like, oh, Doug Flutie was great when he first started. Ricky Ray was great when he first started. And it's like, okay, you want to use those guys as examples. They're two <laughs> of the best to ever do it. You really think JT Barrett's going to be one of the best to ever? Come on. Maybe he'll be good. And maybe they can't get worse. I mean, they went winless at home for the first time in franchise history. They can't possibly be worse. Lost to Ottawa twice. There's, there'll be improvements there. And I think a lot of people are rooting for Edmonton because of the new president and how well he's done for himself especially social media and just just the way he's conducted himself i think people are kind of like oh this could be the start of like edmonton coming back but this year i think i think they're kind of the free bingo space for everybody i think they're going to get beat up pretty badly really um, really yeah See, I'm I, not... I got a totally different take i got a totally different really? take well edmonton. i'm curious now for one of the biggest moves of the offseason for me was chris jones right chris jones coming back to edmonton now we mm -hmm. know i mean, remember what he did last time in saskatchewan he was a revolving door. 
his mm-hmm. team had like 97 guys on it, some crazy number. Okay. I and think, all at the same time, too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. The only guy to manage to get seven quarterbacks on a single roster, active roster. Um, in any case, I think that the Elks are going to be the scourge of CFL Pickham this year. You know, I think that they're going to run out a different team every week. We're never going to know who's on the team from one week to the next. Look, they've got a three-headed monster quarterback, right? Uh, Chris Arbuckle, Taylor, Taylor, Taylor Cornelius, who had nine starts last year, and JT Barrett, who's who's looked pretty good in the tiny amount of time he's had in the NFL. Um, I just, I do not know what to expect from the Elks. I think it would be folly to predict them right now because their roster is going to look different in August, completely different than it does now. So it's like. I think the Elks are going to look a lot like the 2016 Rough Riders. And if we remember the 2016 Rough Riders, they were not good. But wow. then, but then, because Chris Jones comes in, he tears everything down. Right, and then, like when he took over, when Jones took over Edmonton the first time, that was a good football team. They had a yep. they had a star quarterback and they had talent. He goes to Saskatchewan; they don't have that. Well, I mean, they had Darian Durant, but as we saw, he was on his last legs. Yeah, but they were at the end of selling out for the Great Cup. They were at the end of that moribund yeah. sort of period. And 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 to be to Edmonton did they brought in Greg Ellingson, they brought in Trevor Harris, like they were going for it too, and it just didn't work out. I mm-hmm. so I see I see Edmonton is a year away from being yeah. the I think the team that you're like, yeah, maybe that they'll surprise some people to win a few games, but I don't think yeah. they're gonna be a contender. Mm-hmm. Um and the, I I don't know what to make of Saskatchewan. I think because I think everyone thought, oh, they're hosting the Great Cup this year, they're going to like you said, sell out for, but they haven't really done that. They, you mentioned they lost a bunch of starters. They did bring some guys back. I've gone on record. I am not a believer in Cody Fajardo. I think the 2019 season was the best we'll ever see of him. And I don't think it was particularly that good. And we saw last year, once the league, these young quarterbacks come up and, and you see one or two of them pop, but every, t- every now and then you see these guys and you think, Oh, this is going to be the next guy. And the league figures them out. And we saw Nick Arbuckle. We thought, oh, he's the next, he's coming off, he's, he's out of Calgary, he's the next guy, look, Calgary develops these quarterbacks, and he hasn't been able to hold on to a job. He, he got beat up by my cloud, Bethel Thompson, of all people. Like, I, I, another guy that I'm not super high on. So, until, until Fajardo can put together a six-week stretch where he looks like he's one of the two or three best quarterbacks in the league, I don't think the Riders can win a championship. Wow, I thought I was the last Fajardo skeptic, and I was—I was kind of one over. Oh no, not not even. I mean, if if, if you and I on an island, I'm cool with that. But no, I—I <laughs> I, I haven't. I—I—he—he. I, he, there's no consistency there. He looks great, and then it's like he—he's—he yeah. he makes. I don't know. I just—he's—he can run the ball, which is awesome. But when it comes, I just you, Joe, you mentioned that Winnipeg handed Saskatchewan the West final. And they did nothing. Like, what was it? Seven, six, seven turnovers? It was a stupid amount of turnovers. It was a stupid amount of points left left on the table. The first turnover was a chance for the Bombers to put the game away early. And it mm. just a dropped pass right into the hands of a Ryder defender. I'm, I looked at that and went, this is going to be a long night. And I didn't sit yep. down the rest of the game. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they dug themselves that hole just to make it a challenge, basically. Pretty much, yeah. I wanted to ask you this one, Josh, because you say that, uh, you know, the league figures out these hot shit quarterbacks in, in due course. Let me ask you this. Who's going to figure out Vernon Adams first? The league, Kari Jones, or Vernon Adams? Vernon Adams is his own worst enemy. He sure is, isn't he? I. He's got all the tools to be an absolute star. I picked him to win MOP last year. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not to win MOP. I thought he was going to lead the league in yards. Yeah, he was my dark horse pick to be like, okay, because he's going to figure it out. But it, there's something – and, like, all the talk about he, he's mad about, like, media talking about the Trevor Harris stuff. Like, I think he's his own worst enemy. Yeah. yeah. I think he's good. I do think he's good. I don't think he's great. But I think he's good. I think you can win a championship with Vernon Adams. I, I like Vernon Adams more than like Cody Fajardo. Can he win a championship in 2022? No. <laughs> 
to me, to me, they're, they're to me right now. They're the fourth best team in the East. Wow. Yeah. Oh man, you're killing me. However, okay. Well, okay. That could mean they cross over to the West. <laughs> That's on oh. the table. Because I think they're oh, better than right. And I think they're better yeah. than Edmonton. And I see no reason why they can't be better than Saskatchewan. I think these, I think this is the best East division we've seen in 30 years. Wow. And hearing you talk about Saskatchewan that way, it makes me feel better about my stance on them. Cause I always <laughs> kind of question whether it's just, if, if it's fandom talking about not being impressed with them. And I guess not, I guess it's, I guess I'm seeing things pretty clearly. Or I hate them just as much as you do. That's a possibility too. Okay. So you're breaking Mon a little bit here, Josh. Um, you, You've got the Alouettes as the fourth best team in the East, but you think the East is pretty good. Joe seems to agree with you, but I got to ask, okay, so how can you be this confident in the quality of the Red Blacks? Uh, This is a team that went out and signed 18 free agents from within the CFL alone. And I know that Paulo Police is in his second season now as the head coach, but I mean, what can you tangibly point to and say Ottawa's got going for them? Well, the easiest answer to that question is they have an actual quarterback for the first time since Trevor Harris left. Like, obviously, I'm very well acquainted with Jeremiah Mazzoli. I know his strengths. I know his weaknesses. But he is a good quarterback, and he is immensely better than anyone. The Red. I, I would say he's better than anyone the Red Blacks have tried out there since Henry Burris. Uh, some people would disagree and say Trevor Harris, but he's, he's at least better. He, what did Ottawa win last year? Three games, three out of 14. I think it was. Mazzoli's good yeah. enough to get them to, to at least nine and nine. I, they've upgraded that receiving core. Um, they've up getting Kwaku Botang for that defensive line is going to be huge. And they have a capable general manager. Sean Burke is a damn good general manager. He only was like half the general manager in Hamilton, but he's a guy that knows the CFL. He's, he's from the, he's like, he's a Canadian born guy that came up. He used to be the community relations manager for the Ticats. And he worked his way up to being the co-general manager of the franchise. He can scout talent. I, I have a world of respect for him and there's also a little bit of projecting here. There's always a team that goes from absolutely atrocious to exceedingly competitive over the course of a single off season. Ottawa did it recently. They were awful their their first year. They went to the Grey Cup their second year. So, with and it's addition, not Edmonton. It's not Edmonton. It's not Edmonton. No, I, okay. I think <laughs> I, I don't think it's Edmonton. I just I just I like the moves the Red Black made, and as I sit here today. I wouldn't be surprised if they made the Grey Cup. Wow. A Calgary-Ottawa Grey Cup would not shock me in the least. We're going to see a lot of people in June say Hamilton and Winnipeg. But if there's two teams that can upset that apple cart, it's Ottawa and Winnipeg. Or Ottawa and Calgary, I mean. I feel like I've seen that movie before, too. Yeah, we have seen it a couple of times. And the sequel was not very good. <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if the, uh, the threequel will be any better, but... I don't, I, the idea that it's going to be Hamilton Winnipeg for a third straight season seems unreasonable. Like, yeah, maybe they're the two best teams, but how often do we see the two best teams get to the championship yeah. game in any league? So, yeah. right, because I couldn't even say that for 2019. Winnipeg got no, on a ridiculous true. heater in November. Yeah, yeah the Ticats were head and shoulders above everyone in 2019, and then Winnipeg just got hot because they mm-hmm. had, yeah they finished third. So yeah, they, but last year I think even with Hamilton not reaching the lofty goals that some fools proclaimed saying they'd go undefeated. Um, we won't name any names on this show, hopefully of people that may have made that grand proclamation. Um, I still I didn't think- know Ryan was a Hamilton. Fan. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, red hair with a beard. Sometimes uh, we have to steal each other's sticks. Um, I think go even going into the playoffs. I think people recognize that Hamilton was the best team in the East, even if the Argos had a better record. And then we obviously what we saw play out in the East final kind of proved that, okay, the Ticats were, you know, maybe messing around a little bit too much. And, you know, there's always reasons why teams don't, don't succeed as much as we think they should. But ultimately we got what I think was the two best teams in the league facing off for the championship again. And I just, oh, yeah. 
you're going to see a lot of people pick Winnipeg to finish first and Hamilton to finish first. And it's just the odds of that happening, all I, I I just don't see it. I don't think we'll see third place teams. So I'm looking at those second place teams, and that to me, as we sit here right now, that could change in a couple of weeks and before we get to season. But Ottawa and Calgary in the Grey Cup would not surprise me. If there's good odds on that, I might put some money down on it. When you say that there's usually one team that's really bad that like flips it for once, does that work for the NBA too? Because, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I think we're going to trade Anthony Davis to the Elks. Uh, well, this I'm, uh, I'm a Knicks fan, so I, won't, I don't know about the good part. <laughs> oh, jeez, okay. The terrible. Nah, we might trade it's Anthony terrible, Davis to but your I don't guy. Know the good. Uh, Anthony Davis might be your problem next season. <laughs> uh, okay, Joe, so I don't mean to be obsessed with this, but okay, so Josh here has. My Alouette's in fourth place, and he's got the Red Blacks at nine and nine. Okay, so we were talking about the imbalanced schedule before the show. Do you think it's mathematically possible for the Owls to finish in fourth and go nine and nine? That could might be have, tough. You could yeah, have was, a you could have a car crash in the East, though, where eleven and seven wins the thing and nine and nine mm-hmm. is last. I could see that. I mean. I want to say the West had that a couple of years ago, even where Edmonton was out yeah, of the playoffs. Yeah, I think Edmonton finished missed the nine and, fifth, and they were like nine and nine or eight and ten or something. I there was yeah because Hamilton made it at eight and ten because they Ooh. were second in the East. That's right. There was a crossover, but Edmonton was out of that mix. Yeah, you're right. It was. Right. Uh, I think it was 2018. Yeah. yeah, that was the other uh, riders made it to the conference championship and almost won in the East, I believe, right? That was the oh, other be, No, that would have been 2017. Because here's, here's, here's yeah. so, okay, so uh, this will get us a little off topic, but okay. let's Argos, go. Argos fans obviously like to throw the, you know, Ticats haven't won like Grey Cup since 1999. Yep. My, my, the thing I throw back at them is the Argos haven't won a Grey Cup when they've had to go through Hamilton since 2004. If Hamilton's in the playoffs and the Argos have to go through them, they don't get to the championship. They beat them. They were the number one seed in the East last year. Uh, they knocked them out in the 2015 playoffs. And the year after they won the Grey Cup in 2013, we went into their barn and Henry Burris played the greatest game I've ever seen him play in a Ticat uniform and kicked the living daylights out of them in the second half of what was, at that point, my favorite game that I've ever been to. It was the greatest crowd I've ever been to in an Argos game. And it was just the second half of that game was just so wonderful. So if the Argos get to the championship, it's because they don't have to go through Hamilton. So, yeah, but I, it, I, I, I think it was 2018. Cause the Ticats finished eight and 10 in 2018 finished second. And they yeah, played, that would, they that would be BC. the year I'm thinking of. Yes. Yeah. And they played BC in the, in the, it was Wally Bond because Wally Bond's last game was the East semi in Hamilton. Oh, I got to beat him like 50 to eight or something. Okay. And I think Edmonton, I think you're right. I think Edmonton finished nine and nine with BC and BC had won the tiebreaker and they crossed over and Edmonton was on the outside looking in. That's right. That's right. Okay. Of course, if I'm yep. wrong, someone's going to fact check us anyway. So. <laughs> that's, that's fine. That's, that's an interesting. You'd be wrong. Just say it with conviction. That's <laughs> no, there's too much of that going around. Yeah, that's true. Uh, south of the border these days, dude. So uh, please give, no, us, a, give us a little too, break here and CFL coverage. Uh, <laughs> all right. So wanted to ask you this, Josh. Of course, uh, the combine has already happened. You can watch the results on uh, the official website, CFL.ca, if you like to. Uh, they've also got all the stats up, all the, all the measurements up as well. But uh, I wanted to ask you in general, Josh, uh, I'm not even that good on American college football, much less Canadian college football. Do you do any prep for the draft? Can you recommend any research? Is it worth it? And like, what do you do in advance of the draft? I don't because I watch so much of everything else that I, (laughs) I, I, I do. Like I watch American college football. I watch the NFL. I watch CFL. I do try to watch Canadian university football. If I'm lucky, I'll get to watch a couple of my alma maters game. I went to the University of Toronto. They're usually not very good, although they did make the playoffs last year. Um, I'll try to watch a couple of those games, but it's with there being so much content, it kind of I it, I don't watch it as much as I should. Um, but if you want people that know what they're talking about, and this might come off as me shilling, but JC Abbott, who works with me at Three Down Nation, and John Hodge, and even Justin Dunk. They know their stuff. JC is probably the most knowledgeable person outside of Dwayne Ford about Canadian college players that I've ever seen. He's a, he's, and he's only like 24. 
like the things he they do a live stream during the draft they did it i think they did it the last two years but i think it was the 2021 where and i watched it and picks were being made and jc had stories about them numbers like he got me hyped for Stavros Katsantonis, who was like a fifth round pick by the Ticats. <laughs> and he's like, I went to school with this guy. He had like 15 interceptions and like 22 career games. He's a baller. And then we saw him play a little bit this year. And I was like, oh no, he knows, like he's a really good football player. Um, nice. So yeah, if you're looking for, for knowledge on the, especially as we get closer to draft season, JC is your guy. He, okay. he's the guy I go to. He's the guy I listen to. Whenever I have a question about university guys, I text him and ask, like, hey, what, what's going on with this? And, and he's, he gives me the goods. He knows more than almost anyone I've ever come across. He is, he's a tremendous asset. And everyone who wants to know anything about the draft should, should use him. He's, he's awesome. Great. Great. Fantastic. I'll try to have something on the Rouge Rank, at least on the uh, Canadians who played in the NCAA, and, uh, or I'm sorry, the FBS, as they like to call it now. And, uh, and uh, you know, that are going to be in the draft this year. But uh, as far as like, <laughs> when, when you start talking about, you know, who's playing for the Calgary Dinos, I have no idea. Yeah, I, like, I know Trey Ford, the quarterback for the Waterloo Warriors, just because oh, okay. when I watched a little bit of OUA football, um, he stood out because he's such a dynamic athlete. And now he's getting NFL interest. There's talk that he might even get drafted wow. in the NFL draft. Wow. Good. Good. So, I saw someone say it's going to be picked up in the CFL draft regardless. Do you think someone's going to draft? probably because I don't know if he'll stick in the NFL. Cause again, if he's, even if he's drafted in the seventh round or he's an undrafted free agent, how often do those guys like we can, you know, you name the Tony Romo's of the world that like go from obscure unknowns to franchise quarterbacks. It's, it's very rare. And I did see, I think it was a uh, Hodge. John Hodge wrote the piece for three down one of his insider talks that said the Lions should, the Lions are going Canadian quarterback, take him with the third overall pick. Because A, it'll, it'll be a, like if a quarterback went in the first round of the CFL draft, that's the type of headlines that you want to see. That'll get people going, oh, because yeah. usually offensive linemen, defensive linemen, quarterbacks don't get to. But if BC's, they said BC's going to go Canadian, you might as well take the, the best Canadian quarterback we've seen athletic wise come out in some time. And I'm now I'm more interested. Like, and I'll watch the draft. I always watch the draft, but I'm really interested. Like, oh, we could see a quarterback coming. We talked earlier about kind of building hype and, and attract quarterbacks being marquee players in a draft that'll get people watching yeah that's actually a really good point that's something to watch out for okay great great all right well um very far out from the season uh thank you for joining us josh you got any last minute uh predictions here that you'd like to make (laughs) last minute first minute prediction well, I mean, I've already gone out. I've already blown my tie catch credibility by saying the Red Blacks are going to go to the Grey Cup. So I'm going to, I'm probably, I'm probably going to get Red Blacks fans telling me I'm just trying to jinx them. And I'm going to get tie cat fans calling me a traitor. Um, yeah, no, 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 Red no, Blacks no. fans love you. you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can help you out here because all you said was, I, if the odds are good on that, I'd like to bet that. Okay. Yeah. Now that's I'm called value. Money down if I don't think it's going to happen. That's good. Value, yeah, but value betting, that's got nothing oh, yeah. to do with loyalty at all. That's just yeah, no. insurance. In yeah, case trying the to make money. Don't win it all. Right. Yeah. Right. I got a hundred bucks on Tiger to win the Masters. No trader. No trader. Did you really? Yeah. I, it, it was like 80 wow. to one odds. So I was like, what the hell? I, I, I bet you were excited after that first day, huh? I, I was. I was I was at work. <laughs> I was, there's a guy where he was at home. Bucks. Bucks. There we go. He's like, he's like, you threw your money away. You threw, I was like, I did not. And he's like, my, he's like, t- like tied for ninth at like, uh, one under par, and I'm like, that's always got to be. And then I saw today's results, I was like, oh, yeah, well, uh, well he's maybe gonna not, play but on um, day three, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, all I told him is if he's wearing red and black on, on Sunday, he's winning the damn thing. So I'm hoping we get there. Um, <laughs> the first known instance of Josh Rudy for anything red and black, <laughs> there, there you go. go. <laughs> um, okay, you know what, you know what, I'll, my bold prediction will be all four teams from the east make the playoffs, okay. We, I get, love that. we get an Eastern crossover team for the first time in since the crossovers in student 97. That's what I'll say. That's great. I've made that prediction before on this show and I've been embarrassed. So thanks. Thanks for doing it for me, Josh. Yep. All right, Joe, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do it to you again. I haven't been able to do this to you in like a, a six months or whatever. You got some last words of wisdom for us this week. Well, you're barking up the wrong tree for wisdom, <laughs> but I, I do like Josh's call on the East. I think I, I I got Winnipeg one Winnipeg Calgary one two in the West as the contenders. Saskatchewan 
you know what? If anybody's going to ruin it, ruin ruin an East crossover, it's going to be Saskatchewan. And well, you know how Bomber fans feel about the Riders and ruining things and such. So you know the the I they're going to be the ones that ruin that East crossover, but it's going to be close. Well, I've already made my prediction for the show, and that is the Elks are going to be held a bit in CFL pickup this year. I'm telling you guys. I'm telling you, go you, against you, your you, instincts. You just get, you're just gonna game. go. You're just gonna flip a coin on those games, aren't you? <laughs> well, I'm gonna be like, okay, here I've got eight reasons why Montreal is gonna win this game, so I'm gonna take the Elks. I'm, I'm gonna do that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, the Elks you know what we need to do then? Yeah, we need to come back at the end of the year. We need to remember what our predictions were. Come back at the end of the year and then goof on how we got them all wrong. Don't go back and look. Listen to my predictions for how last year was going to turn out. <laughs> it, it just was not good. I predicted the Ticats to go undefeated, so it couldn't have been possibly worse than that. I thought Edmonton was good, so okay. yes, it could be worse. That's like the first year that we've done this that my predictions were just a complete tire fire. Usually, yeah. I'm like, it's a matter of degrees. Hey, I, somebody in second, they finished fourth or something. Yeah. It's like, okay, sure, but. I thought Edmonton was good, and they weren't. So, when did uh, when did you get nervous about that prediction? Was it the week one loss to Ottawa at home? Uh, uh, week one, I kind of threw out the window. Okay. I, I waited for about three or four weeks because I different teams were going to react to the layoff differently. I picked teams that I thought were more cohesive units instead of teams that got thrown together like Toronto did, mm-hmm. and that went well for me. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Argos didn't make the Great Cup, so it went well enough. <laughs> yeah. No, the one thing I did get right was Winnipeg was going to be good because they were his unit. That worked out. Everything else, forget I said anything. <laughs> yeah. That ended up being the only clear thing through most of the season last year was that Winnipeg is really, really good. <laughs> I was like the only team with a really firm identity all through the season. So that was an odd season last season. Uh, hopefully we'll be back with it. We're back with 18 games this year, right? We got the full yep. season this year, right? Okay, great. All right. Well, it's not June yet, but coming up in a few weeks, we'll have the draft. We'll have, you know, more predictions. Josh, hopefully we'll have you back on the show later this season. Otherwise, yeah, good man. luck. Good luck somewhat to your Hamilton Tiger Cats. Not too much luck. You just keep looking over your shoulder this year. Uh, other than that, I'm going to sign off for my co-host Joe Pritchard and our guest Josh Smith. I'm Al Davis. This has been the Moose Radio CFL Podcast. Talk to you next week.